you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. We're back on Wednesday. You know, we've been doing this Monday and Wednesday 9 a.m. interviews and people are starting to show up. People are, are having fun. They're having conversations. And every time I'm thinking, maybe I'm tapped out of topics, right? <laughs> because I've been doing so many of it. And then all of a sudden I get questions like, well, hey, wait a minute. What does it mean to be a CMO? So here you go. We're going to talk to, to Daryl, who's the CMO of VanillaSoft. He's going to share more about what VanillaSoft does. But one of the big reasons I wanted Daryl today was because he has been a serial CMO, not not a one-time CMO. I've been a CMO three times myself, but he has been a CMO at multiple different companies, very successful companies, and has been on fire lately with his videos and, and, and just have completely taken off the gloves and saying, you know what? It's more personal. I love everything that he's doing. So you got to follow Daryl um, if you are looking into it. So... Uh, this is a conversation where we are literally going to jump in. So tell us where you're from, what your questions are. Uh, I'm getting a whole bunch of folks already lining up. So that's fantastic. And I'm going to play the music, that walk-in music for Daryl as I pull him in. And you got to tell me what this is. Ooh, this might be loud. All right, Daryl, man, what is that? That was fun. I, you know, I started to do this because, you know, I used to go speak at events and they would always have a walk-up music and I loved it so much. And since all of this, like we're doing all these videos, I'm like, even for internal meetings, if I'm having a one-on-one, I'll have people play like, hey, what's your walk-up music? Let me bump you up and, and have a great conversation. So share which music and what song was that and why? That was Aerosmith and that was Walk This Way. And uh, it's why, because every time I've done the annual sales training kickoff, you know, you're off site, you got the whole crew there and it's my turn to walk in, you know, marketing, we've got more budget than most. Everybody else has got staff, but we've got programming campaign spend. So I like to walk in and make an entrance. So that music, and there's usually a few other things going on. I you know, for example, one time I was in Vegas doing this and just to be clear, okay, I want to be really clear on this different era, different time. I can never do this today. But I walked in in Vegas, you know, the, the room's full and the back door is like, Daryl, where's Daryl? And all of a sudden the music hit, the back door is open and I come in down center aisle with two showgirls, one on each arm. Totally inappropriate mm. today. Yeah. But you know what? It made an entrance at the time. So yeah. I, I just love that song. It's all about having style, making a presence. Walk this way. People will see you. Walk this way, man. All right. Well, we have, I'm going to put in the folks that are joining in. So we got Erica joining in from North Carolina. Uh, we got Ray. Good morning, Ray. We got, a, I don't know, sometimes I don't see the names here. So whoever that is, thank you so much from New York. I think that's Amy. Uh, good morning, everybody. We got Michael from West Hartford. We got, uh, again, well, Ray. Ray actually picked up on that song, Walk the Walk, Todd. Yes. I like that. Uh, I look at that. People are literally picking picking up Justin and it. So a uh, ton of people joining in, Daryl. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about Vanilla Soft, what do you guys do? And then we just jump into really hardcore tactical questions around like, what does it take to become a CMO? And folks, 
If you have questions, just jump in. I've also dropped in the link. If you want to hop in live, we can literally put your video right here and you can ask us questions right up on, on screen. So if you're brave enough to do that, I think you're brave enough to be a CMO one day. So that, that's a big challenge. If somebody wants to jump, jump in, the link is right there. Uh, but, but just share a little bit about yourself, Darren, and we'll jump into questions. All right, I'd be a bad marker if I didn't have a call to action to kick off this conversation. First thing you need to do, you're already in LinkedIn, all right? Open up a separate tab, go over there, look me up, Daryl Braille, send me the follow, send me the connection request, make it personal, tell me you saw me with Sangram, and I'll connect and we'll, and we'll engage. So that's the first thing. Second Ooh. thing, VanillaSoft, what do we do? VanillaSoft is the world's most established sales engagement platform. So if you've heard of companies like SalesLoft or Outreach, then you've heard of us. We're number one in user uh, usability, number one in time to ROI, number one on trust radius, the list goes on. That's what we do. If you're a sales rep or an AE and you want to just you know, engage more, talk more, sell more, yeah. using multi-channel, email, phone, social, text, video, whatever it might be, so you can blow your number out of the water, then check out VanillaSoft. That's what we do. Dude, that's like a sales pitch from a CMO. You're like, you're really good at it. You've got to be firing up your sales team. Like, who can do a better pitch than you from your sales team? Well, well you know, I give them green. I say, if I can do a better pitch than you, then yeah. something's wrong here because you're on the phone all the time. You know, yeah. I just get cornered by Sangram and, you know, there we go. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Are we going to talk about, you know, as people jumping in, just know we're going to talk about sales, how to pitch to a CMO in a little bit because I think that's a big area uh, to develop. Talk to, talk to me about your journey of how you became, you, how did you get your first CMO job? What do you think you did that really helped you get there? Okay, so I'm going to give you lots of stuff that you may or may not choose to do. It's a risk how I got there, but I'm being 100% transparent with you, so ask me any questions you want to have. You need a little context. By education, I am a computer programmer. I am a computer science guy. I coded for five years. All right. And but what that gave me was that gave me technology. So imagine back when I graduated and I started my career in the early 90s, you know, how marketing automation has exploded and how the tech stack has become essential. Well, for me, that technical background actually allowed me to be fully set up for this career path I had. Now, when I began, I had no idea what marketing did. Nobody in my life did marketing. I didn't understand marketing. I was a coder. But here's the thing, a sign of the time. When I finished school, I finished college, I was tired of coding and I wasn't going to go into it. And I said, I need to do something else. What do I do? Everybody said, Daryl, go in sales. You're a natural salesman. I said, okay. So I started selling photocopiers door to door. I did that for six months. You walk in every single industrial park, every single mechanic, HVAC shop, accountant, lawyer, high-rise commercial tower, you got it. I was the guy trying to sell you a photocopier. Yeah. Talk about rejection and getting beat up. But just like Sangram just said, you learn your pitch. You learn your USP. You learn to look around and what's on the wall and how can I connect and establish a relationship really, really fast. It was six months later, I said, I got tired of this. I didn't like the bro culture. I didn't like the lack of integrity that I saw in that field at that point in time. Went back to coding, did it for five years. And then from there, I segue, I wanted to get out of coding. What do I do? I had no idea. So I became, back to sales, a sales engineer. Hmm. I did that really, really well. And they said, hey, you're good at this. 
you know, we have this product we want to bring to market. We're going to move you over to product management. I said, okay, let's go. So all the product management I went to. And then they said, hey, you're good at that. We have to launch this puppy. How about doing product marketing? And I said, let's do it. And I, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I never said no. Here's the thing. I never said no. Product marketing. And then I went and they said, great. You're a really good product marketer. I said, thank you so much. But then we had our first child and we said, oh, let's move back home where we have family to support us. So I quit that job. We moved back home. I needed a job. And I found a job doing marketing, being a marketing manager for a small database company. But what was my technology background in? Database. So wow. I brought my strengths. I had a database technical. I had some marketing. And I sold myself into a marketing manager job. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. I always wanted that next level. My wife and I had a deal. When we had kids, she would stay home for the first five years, which meant I had to be the sole income. The only, there's only two ways you can climb the ladder here, kids. One is you find an employer that's amazing and recognizes talent and will move you through the ranks. The other is you just jump ship from job to job to job. I went the ladder route because of my timelines. Hmm. And what I did was I marketed it. In other words, I somewhat packaged myself up to having perhaps more skill and experience than I had. You read between the lines. So my resume might have said marketing director while I was still a manager, but I, and I applied for those jobs. So it looked like it was a parallel move. Yeah. But I knew I could do those jobs. I didn't overextend myself. And I knew what I didn't know. I had a network to call on for resources and I could learn. Mm. So I went from there to Cognos where I became the actual uh, head of product marketing globally. Cognos was the number one business intelligence vendor uh, at, at the time. So database to BI was a natural segue related. Um, I was promised to be a VP within a year. Things never go to plan. The original, the incumbent, the position that I took over came back six months later because his dot-com company went belly up. Yeah. So here I am and a job that I'm stuck on. And so what I did was I went to my hiring manager and I said, okay, I get why we're here. I don't blame you, but here's where we're at. Um, I'm going to go look for another job while you figure it out. And he said, cool. And that's when I went and got my first VP job. Now, here's what you need to know. It was at a company that was multiple millions in debt. At the time, they were 20 years old. They were not a restart. They were dead in the water. Mm. I, was I was 29 years old. Mm. I spent two days locked up in a room. I called in every favor I had from Gartner and every other person I had. When I walked into that interview, I knew more about his company and his competition than anybody, even in that company. And for them, it was a win-win. They got a first-time VP yeah. who was hungry, cheap, hungry, yeah. cheap, prepared, and because they were in debt. Yeah. I got a company that was less than ideal, but it was my first-time title, and I had staff. Yeah. And so from there... We went and we raised like 50 million bucks, which was the biggest in Canada at that moment in time. I am Canadian. Uh, it was all American BC at the time. It had never been done. Um, we almost sold them three times. I was 24 hours away from having $6 million in the bank. And then the dot-com crash went boom. And so then from there, what I did was I went and I became a VP of sales, a VP of sales and marketing, VP of marketing, VP of sales and marketing, VP of marketing, until I was finally a CMO. And wow. uh, and the CMO is a different level from a VP, which is a different level from a director and below. It was that director to VP part for me that I went, oh my gosh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. And, in, and candidly, I don't think you could be a CMO unless you've got 
10 to 15 years under your belt. If you are, I think you're a CMO in title, but not in capabilities. Well, dude, first of all, thank you for literally walking through. There were so many lessons. I just wrote down so many lessons just in that journey. Um, love the mug, by the way. What, show the mug. What do you got on the mug? You got your mug. <laughs> daily dose of Daryl. Yeah, there you go. Just uh, like Sam Graham, he does his live stream. So do I, baby. There you go. It's, it's really energetic. If you're seeing and you feel like, well, this is high energy. This is how I think Daryl is all the time. So this is fantastic. Interestingly, I have a very similar background in a way. So I came, my bachelor's and master's, both is in computer science. And I remember, think about it, like it's like, and most people don't, I don't have any marketing degree. I have no marketing like bone per se, right? And somehow that is a good thing in many cases. Um, And what was interesting is when I was doing my master's, a whole bunch of uh, folks that I was doing project with, they are all good coders, really good coders. I'm not a good coder. Uh, I was really bad at coding. As a matter of fact, I think there was a print that they, they had me write something. And I remember just typing it up as opposed to creating a program for, for writing a loop or something like that. But they loved me and they wanted me in their group because I was the only one who was somewhat good at presenting to the class yes. what we built. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Right. And I learned at that time the value of communication skills, something that you may or may not take or may not be a thing. But I feel as a CMO, if you cannot communicate a value prop, a problem, a customer pain point, communication seems to be almost the most important part of you, or at least one of the most important part of your role. Um, and I wonder what your thoughts on that. Okay, so there's a couple of things that are huge for becoming a CMO. Communication is paramount, all right? So if you're gun-shy, if you don't want to be on video, if you don't want to public speak, don't be a CMO. And I'm not saying that to scare you away. I just want to set the expectations. Uh, if you ask any people about VanillaSoft, this is what I will get from them because of communication. I'll get, I always thought VanillaSoft was like this massive company. You guys are everywhere. Oh my goodness, I see you nonstop. You're like the hardest working CMO going. All of that is BS. I just have a really good team behind me and it looks that way. The point is, what they say is, Daryl, you're the face of VanillaSoft. Maybe, Daryl, maybe your brand has exceeded theirs. Are you worried about that? I'm like, no. No, if you think me and VanillaSoft, I am as tied to them as anything else. Now, here's the thing. If I, if I went to work for Terminus tomorrow, my brand goes with me. Yep. And VanillaSoft still has a period of time to backfill the whole I leave because their brand that's already established now by, by my effort doesn't go away. Yeah. So uh, communication is core. And the biggest thing is, for multiple reasons, you're not just communicating your value prop. You're convincing people that, that your secret sauce is better than anybody else's secret sauce. Yeah. So you got to be believable. You got to be credible. But then you're also going to convince your team that they need to follow you, that you're smart, that you've done this, that trust me, I know it's scary. I know you don't feel good about this, but just trust me, follow my lead. So you got to get them to trust you a few times till they go, oh, damn it. He was right. Okay, now I'm all in. And when he wants me to say, you know, tackle that hill. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Even though it scares the bejesus out of me, here we go. So communication is so multifaceted, but more than anything, you're the chief persuader. Mm. So when it comes to an analyst, an industry analyst, when it comes to a journalist, when it comes to somebody at that booth, 
we open up with Sandram saying, wow, you know, your, your, your pitch. I'm the chief persuader. I need to get your attention, whether it's video, text, whatever it might be, whatever channel you love. That's communication skills. And the funny part is this, you know, Sandram says, you see the energy that I have here? Guess what, kids? I'm an introvert. When we're done here, I'm going to go crawl in a corner and rock back and forth for a while and re-energize because it kills me. This is not my comfort zone. But I know, I know this communication style. It works. That's it. It It works. And talking about persuasion, this is really interesting. I think something that I think happens behind the scenes for a lot of people and people don't value a whole lot. Uh, But remember, like five years ago, ABM wasn't a thing. Um, ABM wasn't even on the radar. Um, and I remember this conversation with the G2 folks, like Ryan, uh, Ryan I think Ryan just became a CMO of, of G2 at that time, and, and then some other folks. And they were going to put, put Terminus in an advertising bucket. And I fought, fought tooth and nail and saying, no, 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 no. Don't put us in the advertising bucket. We are a new category. We're trying to build this ABM thing. And they're like, well, what is ABM? And now behind the scenes, I spent and my team spent about six months with them fighting like, do not put us in that bucket because once we get positioned as an advertising company, we would never be able to come out of it. It will, it will deposition us. So positioning what your organization does became another really big thing that I think I valued from my days at Salesforce and learning how product marketing is really, really important. Uh, but man, the idea of how do you position yourself as an individual, as a brand, as a product, as a company became really, really paramount. Now, my question to you is that when you think about the different roles within marketing, how do you think about product marketing versus demand generation versus all the different roles? Like, is there something that's more important? Like if somebody is like, right now, look, I'm just starting out as a CMO, right? I, or, or wanting want to be a CMO, like what are the roles I should try to to master? Because you can't be good at all of it, and and there's probably one thing that you're really good at. But what are one of the roles that I'm like, you know what? This is one thing I absolutely have to have. Okay, so I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to I'm going to call an audible an audible here for a second, Sangram. So bear with me, only because I see uh, Preeti has a question that I want to answer, and then I'm going to answer your question if that's okay with yeah. you. Let's do that. Preeti's asking, did you ever feel when you jumped the roles that you felt at times lost or people, uh, you know, they looked down on you? How did you handle, how did you handle the mental part? How did you handle feel, feeling being judged? You know, Preeti, my wife asked me the same question when we were in this journey. She's like, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. I feel like a fraud. Okay. This is what I told her all the time. I'm, I know inside, I know where my skills kind of end, I'm kind of to here. And beyond that, I, I, I don't have, I can't do. But to here, I'm pretty good. And right now I'm here in my career. And look, I watch, I watch these people. I see what they do. I talk to them every single day. These are my colleagues at my current job. So when I change jobs, hmm. for the first few months, I just channeled my former inner colleagues and what they were doing. And they were a resource to me, all right? So I had the comfort level that I was never truly overextending myself. I just need to take that opportunity. Now, your next question was, did they look down on me? So, no, but, no, but they're judging you in the sense that they want to see who's this new cat? Who's the new cat? Are they good? Are they as good as their resume said? Are they as good as they claim to be? And the way to overcome that is twofold, okay? Number one, this will knock their socks off. 
you go, when you take that job, you go and interview every single stakeholder that person talks to, all right? Up, down, and sideways. And you say, this is my new job. This is my role. Help me understand, what do you expect from me? Yeah. What did the last person do that you love? Without disparaging the last person, what could they have done better to better support you? If I come back in 30, 60, 90, 180 days from now, what will I have done that you will have said hiring Daryl was the right move? And they'll tell you. Mm. And then you go on and then you do your thing because you already got your plan in mind. And a lot of what they're going to say, you already know. So then what you do is you communicate back to them. Hey, remember Sally? Sally, you said you really wanted me to do this. If I gave you some content for that, so you could do your thing, that you would be really, really happy. Well, of course I knew she needed content. That was when I said in the job interview. So I'm like, I took your, I took your feedback. I made the content. Can you look it over? What do you think? Does this meet your needs Like you told me? Because you told me if I did this in 30 or 60 days, that would be huge for you. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, this individual listened to me. And then they feel involved. And they feel like they helped influence your, 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 your deliverable. Yeah. They've got buy-in. So it goes from who is this person to, oh my gosh, I love this person. Yeah. So that's the trick how you, you do that. You have quick wins, you engage the stakeholders. That's the answer to that. And then all that goes away and then you get your comfort zone. Now to your question, which roles, which roles are perhaps, because you can't do it all, which roles perhaps have the most the shortest path to the CMO's office or which roles are critical. So they're all really important. I'm not, I'm going to probably annoy a few people with these comments. Yeah. If you're in communications, press releases, whatnot, that's great. You're never going to see the CMO's office. And if you do, it's only because you're going to be in a really, really big company where you're maybe a VP of communications. That's it. Because in comms, you don't understand selling. And you're going to see this a theme to being a CMO. The scene to be a, C- a CMO, I'll put it out here now, or a VP of marketing, has nothing to do with marketing. I'm gonna, I want to hear what Sangram has to say. And it has everything to do with sales and revenue. So, yeah. comms person, not going to happen. Great background, though. Learning how to, the press works, the analyst works, how to get the story out there, get impressions, create hype, how to write concisely. You know, on that opening couple lines, like they're clickbait, brilliant stuff. So that's the first part. Today, if you're in revenue or marketing operations, like you're the HubSpot, Marketo, Rockstar, you know, Google uh, Analytics and Tag Manager, you know, SEO, you know, H1s or H2s, you know, your metas, you're in SE, uh, you know, SEM, you know, Google, you know, everything else out there, you know, intent data, you know, G2, you've got it all coming together. You got this machine rocking, you have the serious talent to be a director. And then you're probably going to cap out. Mm. And I want to hear what Sangram has to say. If you're in product marketing, oh my, okay, now we're talking. Because it all depends on how you look at product marketing. This is a loaded question because many companies are different. Some companies are really engineering centric. They say product management is God and product marketing is part of product management. We don't see them differently. And it's all on the engineering side. So if that's your company, uh, I would run from that one personally. Uh, the other ones are the opposite. It's all product marketing and product management is a slave. I don't think that's healthy either. I think you need to have peers. And that's what we do here at VanillaSoft. And we kind of say, product management, you deal with that side of the wall. Product marketing will deal with the public facing, the sales facing. All right, we'll talk like peers. 
Look at features, you know, the sales are saying, analysts are saying, we need these features, these functions, these capabilities, where's our roadmap? Um, and now I have to go and train my sales rep, give me the features, give me the why, give me the R&D specs, in the marketing requirements doc, so I can go and educate and tell them why we're different, how we, how we, how we are better, a better mousetrap. And then a, product, a good product marketer is actually talking to customers, is actually talking to industry analysts, all right, is actually working hand in glove with the sales reps. Yeah. All right. So product marketing, you're a solid director. You might be a VP. You're not a CMO. Demand generation. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a VP because you have to learn product marketing. You have to learn comms. You have to learn ops because you have to use all the tools and all the content available to you so you can go generate revenue. You will definitely on that track be a VP. Good chance you'll be a CMO. Now, anybody can become a CMO if you get enough experience. Why did I say what I said? Because at the end, demand generation understands it's about making revenue. And that's all that matters in the end. It doesn't matter the colors. It doesn't matter how cool your logo is. It doesn't matter if you've got kick-ass mugs and fantastic live streaming software. If the product marketer is in a company where they have a P&L responsibility, so then they get it too. Right. So even if you give them a quota, I could give my product person a quota that says you need to influence. All right. Boom. They can they can go up. Can I be a CMO or a VP without product experience? Maybe. Can I do it without operations experience? Never. So that's my take, Sangram. Yes. No. Tell me what you think. A lot of stuff. First of all, I'm just looking at like the, and you can look at the fire stream of like ton of incredible comments going for Amble, Ray, uh, Preeti. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 like it's on fire. So you know, when you get a chance, I know you would, and I would also come back and respond to a lot of these questions and comments yep. you're not able to pull right now. I love the way you went through this. And I know it was a trick question because you got a team. I, you know, we have a team and there are people like in these roles right now listening to this and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I can be a CMO. And I don't know if you had a chance to look at my, uh, the ADM is B2B book. I think the very first myth, the very first thing, I, <laughs> you're going to pull that out. Uh, there you go. There you go. You have it. You have it. Now, you know why I have this? Because yeah. true story, guys. Because we just went through an ABM evaluation. I just sent the emails to all the other vendors I evaluated yesterday to say, I'm sorry. And we actually signed up with Terminus. Now, this was not related to this live. I have read this thing cover to cover. Sam Graham, before I ever knew him, autographed. And it's right there inside. He's a rock star. There you go. You don't have the book, get the book, okay? Yeah, there you go. Thank you so much, Gerald. And, and, you know, one of the very first things I have part of like the seven lessons was that, and I got a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of flack on this saying that, hey, it, I said, the value of marketing is defined by sales. Yes. And your job as a marketer is simply one of these two things. Either you're there to incrementally grow sales or exponentially grow sales. Outside of that, you're fired. Yes. <laughs> so I love when you talked about that because it took me 10 years of therapy to actually <laughs> verbalize those words because as a marketer, I always valued the things that took a lot of effort of putting an event together. We didn't even talk about field marketing 
uh, people who put events. So we didn't even talk about people who write, just write just great copywriting content all the time or the graphic designer that you might have on your team. They're like all talented people and they all in some way, shape or form aspire. And I always, when I'm mentoring and coaching them, I would always say, really, is that what you want? You, If you're a great graphic designer, do you want to be a CMO? Because let me tell you what a CMO does. And, and when you see it, you may actually not want to be a CMO. So, so really, really think through, do you want to be a head of creative design? Maybe you should go to an agency or create your own agency and think about it that perspective. But I feel like the number one role, number one job of a, of a CMO, if they live and stay in that job, is to make sure that you know sales. And what was interesting about you, Daryl, was also that your experience throughout, talked about sales, talked about heading sales and marketing, talked about being a sales engineer, talking part of the product management. So you, before you became a CMO, the reason I think what makes you a great CMO is because you understand sales. And if the product, if you don't get it, I think it's a really hard, obnoxious environment where at some point, one of you is given up and chances are when the board asks the CRO, hey, how's marketing doing? And if your CRO says, I don't know what, what Sandrum or Daryl does, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you present in the board meeting, you're gone by the next board meeting. All right, I got to jump in. I yeah, got to jump right. in. All right, because we're doing the CMO conversation, the CMO dance, VP of marketing. Let's get something out here because you have just, you've touched on the holy grail, okay? The average tenure for a head of marketing is 18 months. Head of sales is maybe 24 months. Ironically, they get more runway. Why do they get more runway? Because leadership is just more desperate. They just keep on hoping they're going to make revenue. That's honestly what it is. They shouldn't have more runway. And my head of my sales counterparts may not agree with me, but there you go. The reason marketing is so short is because exactly what Sam Graham just said. Let's really hit this up here, okay? I opened up by saying, I've got the most disposable income going, all right? What that means is I also have the most accountability going. You need proof. Let me make it really simple for you here. When we just went through COVID in your company, how many people got furloughed or or let go, laid off, versus how much did your marketing budget get hit and where did they go first? I will put my job on the line to say they went to marketing first because no one wants to let people go if they can avoid it. That's just the way a human is. So it's the money. That's what I'm making here. It's about the money, that disposable income. So that means when your day-to-day job, the board, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, whatever you've got, they're going to come to you all the freaking time and say, what was the ROI on that money? I gave you, what did I get from my pay-per-click? What did I get from my SEO? What did I get from my website? What did I get for that event? What did I get for that trade show? What did I get for that webinar, that live stream? I bought you that camera that uh, I'm using right now to live stream. So you look really good, nice bokeh effect. You got a cool studio, lights and everything else. That cost me probably, you know, six, $7,000. What am I getting for that? I don't see that. You're going to get that all the time. And if you can't answer it, you're dead in the water. Now, what does that mean? This is why sales is so important, all right? It's not that sales is the center of the universe. It's just sales is the machine that feeds the beast that we work for. We spend money so they can make money. And then the company takes the money they make and they put it back into the company and they pay you and they give you more program spanner. It's a vicious circle. That's just all it is. It's a cycle of life. So this is why sales is important. I'm going to make it really simple. 
you all understand top of funnel inbound leads bing 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 top of funnel life is good look what i've done i can attribute it by channel aren't i awesome and then it goes down to and uh, from an MQ, you've got marketing qualified leads, however you've scored it or whatever criteria you've got, yeah, that's MQL. Now one of two things happen. Either you hand it off to the, the sales development reps. Well, you're gonna hand it off to the sales development reps no matter what, but here's the trick. The SDR is gonna turn it into a sales qualified lead. They're gonna call, pick your sales methodology, Bant. Hey, mister, do you have budget authority, need timeline? Hey, tell me, yes, hey, your budget, your, 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 your SQL, yay. Now the SDR team could reside in sales, two thirds of them do or could reside in marketing. I'm, a, I'm an advocate of that. That's not what we do here at Vanilla Soft. One yeah. third reside in marketing. I believe qualifications shouldn't be split. It should be between the two. Yeah. Why is all this important? Because 90% of the marketers out there said, okay, uh, I delivered the MQL, or if you own the SDRs, the SQL, and you say, my job, my job is done. Yeah. Job's done. Okay? And when you're a director of demand generation, maybe even a first time VP, Okay, you can get away with that. They understand you don't have the experience. But if you ever want to be a CMO, your job ain't done. Yeah. This is the difference, okay? Now, I'm in the face of my salespeople, and I, I'm listening to their calls. Because I'm saying, I just dropped 5K on that event, and I, we got no business on it. What the hell? And I'm listening to the calls, and I'm saying, I gave you 142 leads. You called 21 of them? Why? Well, we called 21, they were junk, and, they, and I, I'm not wasting my guy's time. They, you know, it's a waste of time. I've got more stuff to do. Um, or, you know, you've got uh, 321 inbound leads this month through my content downloads uh, or content syndication or whatever it might be. What happened to those? Well, I've, you know, I, I don't have time. I'm looking at it. You took on average uh, 33 hours to call each of those. And you made between two and three attempts. Dude. If you don't call within an hour, it drops like a rock. Like you don't make, or something like that. Yeah. Yes. If you don't make 9.2 attempts across multiple channels, your chance of even getting a hold of them disappears. How can I, as the CMO, show an ROI on my spend if the sales organization is dropping the ball? And the only way you can fix that is if, as a CMO, you inject yourself into that to say, what the hell is going on? This is why I've got data to back up my claims. I'm not pointing the finger. This is key. Yeah. I'm bringing the team together and say, kids, a part of my compensation, my bonus is company revenues. And yeah. I'm feeling a little bit at risk here because I'm not seeing best practices in play. And when I look at the CEO, you know, CEO, didn't you just say to me last week, where am I in my ROI? And I can say, well, we took this long to call a new lead. We did this many, many attempts, but here's the stats. Therefore, I think, I think what we have is not a sales talent issue. We have a sales process yeah. issue. Yeah. All right. That's what a CMO does. A CMO injects themselves into the revenue process, top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel. They're part of the solution. They're not finger pointing, but they're making sure that everything is being done to generate all your spend into real revenue. I'm John, I'm off my soapbox. No, I mean, what's interesting is I'm literally hearing people say like, you know, like Ray, like, well, this is a masterclass. Well, then it, it better, it is, that is probably the best compliment um, for all the lives I've ever done so far. So kudos to kind of just jumping in and, and being in so detail about around it. And the part that I think I'm going to almost get to the rapid fire 
part of this project, okay? Because we, I think there are questions coming in that I, I feel like we can go so much more detail into it, uh, but there are certain things uh, that I think we can just answer and try to answer both of us uh, coming in. So if you have any rapid fire questions, just drop in there. We will answer it right now. Automated emails that, that are gonna good <laughs> or Oh, you went right for the heart. Oh, automated emails. <laughs> And I made it rapid fire. It's even worse. Oh, automated emails, good if they're personalized and relevant and contextual, bad if you're just spamming because now you can just send bad shit worse, you know, faster. All right? Don't do that. You're just going to kill your list and then you're going to be screwed within three months' time because no, your open rates will be non-existent. You will be blocked. You will be dead in the water. Yep. I posted this this morning on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm getting a ton of people, what are you talking about? Like, like nurturing emails is the most important thing. And I'm like, every touch point, every touch point you ever do, either it's you're building your brand or you're killing your brand. It's something that Jay Bear has said like several times in, in one of the podcasts and I could never get out of my head because it just, every touch point, and I'm like, all right, imagine this. If you were saying, would you send? And that's the question I would ask every sales team um, or marketing person that I'm talking to is like, would you send the same type of emails to your existing customers? And the answer most of the time is like, no. Well, why no? Well, because they're customers. They're like, 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 like the sacred child, right? Like, you know, all these things. I'm like, well, you should, if that means you don't care about these people, you just are going after numbers and trying to see if anybody would bite and then follow through it. I'm like, no, no, no. Just take out the word prospect out of your vocabulary and either call them customers or future customers. And as soon as you change that, I think you will email and have conversations different. Ah. Let me share one thing, quick story, true story. Build up your, net, your LinkedIn network ASAP. And this is one reason why as a VP of marketing or CMO. All right. When my sales reps are sending out their emails, not marketing emails, but these are sales drips through vanilla soft per, per se. Um, the recipients of those emails, unbeknownst to my reps, they know me or they see me online. So even if we've never talked, we're connected, they'll forward me the email and they say, I just got this from your rep today. And I'll read the email and I'm going, holy shit, you're killing everything I've worked so hard to make sure we do and do right. And I'm on the phone with the CRO saying, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Expand that network. They will share it back with you. You will hear exactly how your content, how your company's being received. And that's the thing you need to understand, all right? You, it's not that as a CMO, it's just not in the purview of what's in the marketing department. I own the customer experience. If they have a bad support call, if they have a bad success call, if they have a bad sales experience, they go on G2 and they leave a crappy review. And then the CEO comes to me and says, Daryl, how are you going to fix this? So because of that, owning the customer experience and being the guy who's got to play cleanup, that gives me permission to inject myself in the process to make sure that everything that's being done is being done on brand best practice. Matters. It matters. All right. Second one. The most, two most important relationships that a CMO must build internally. Oh, easy, easy, easy. CFO, head of HR. Oh, man. Dude, this is rock on because like we, we talked about sales already. So there's no like, you know, point in climbing that tree because we all know like it's a, why did you say CFO? Because this is really important. What you just said, I don't think anybody, nobody talks about this thing. Why? I tell every single person and no matter where you are in the marketing organization, when you join a, a new firm, you become best friends with the finance people 
and with the HR people. And it's really, really, really easy. The finance people are the ones who control the pipeline to pay your vendors. All right. So, and they're often the economic buyers. So when you want to invest in something new, they've got to believe that it's actually going to deliver the ROI you're claiming that the sales rep told you. 90% of this is done on a relationship that they believe you, they trust you, that you're going to be accountable and true to your word. You're not going to screw them and you're going to be safe and represent the company well. They'll give you a little bit to hang yourself because they trust you, all right? And if they don't pay the vendor and the vendor says, I'm not doing any more graphic design for you because I haven't been paid in 45 days, you call them up and you say, what the hell? And they say, oh, sorry, we're, you know, cash flow, blah, blah, no, done. So that's the, that's the finance person. HR is because a couple of things are gonna happen. Uh, one, you want the absolute best people. So you want the HR person to say, Hey, Daryl, I just got a person. They're a rock star. I know you don't have a head count, but I think I can make it work for you. Yeah. And I'm like, great. All right. The second part is, and this is, re- I'm guilty of this. Okay. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to say something inappropriate. I'm going to say something completely wrong. So they need to know who I am and the person that I am and my spirit and my intentions. So that when I screw up, they pull me aside and they say, Daryl, you know what? You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Or your, your team shouldn't have done that. Great. How can we fix it? All right. So people matter. Finance matters. Yes. And ultimately, ultimately, adding to that, what you just said is if you can, if you can build that relationship with CFO, when times go tough, when numbers are not there, when the budget becomes tight and all the things that you ever want to do, man, that relationship will is, is going to give you life. Um, and a lot of very few people actually jump into it. Uh, here's a question from Ricardo. Uh, talks about I've heard for years that as a business owner, and uh, this is really interesting. As a business owner, I should be the CMO and not hand over to someone else. Your thoughts as an owner uh, on the owner having ownership of marketing? Yeah. So I've owned multiple companies. I have my own agency for eight years. Um, so here's my answer on that: yes and no. All right. So the <laughs> You know, you love those answers? Really answer. That is not an acceptable answer. I know, and I'm going to give it to you, okay? If you think your product is the best freaking thing since sliced bread, if you think changing the color or adding a new widget just because you were inspired and thought that was a great thing is awesome, never be the CMO. You're colorblind, you're, in, you're selling features and products, you're not understanding the customer or the benefit. But, If you're a subject matter expert, you happen to have a product or a solution or a service that you sell, and that's how you, that's what you use to fix the problem because you're a subject matter expert and you know the problem and the pains that are being experienced, then yes, because you're probably the deepest, most knowledgeable, most credible person in the space. Now, with that said, though, here's the one thing I will tell you, and I want to hear Sangram's point on this one. 90 plus percent of people, I'm here, but keep going. <laughs> 90 plus percent of the people, and especially CEOs and board members and venture capitalists who think they know marketing don't have a bleeping clue. So yeah. when you say you should be the CMO, I would say you're right. You probably should be if you understand the pain and the solution because you're a subject matter expert. But do you understand how Google works? Do you understand keywords? Do you understand the power of social media? Do you do social selling now? Do you understand how the sales process should work? 
Do you understand how to stand up from the crowd? Do you understand how to get the most from your vendors? Do you understand what the right price point should be for an external contractor to do A, B, or C, or D? If you don't know that, then no, you shouldn't be the CMO. You should be instead is the chief evangelist or the chief salesperson. So that's my point of view. My, my two cents on this is, I think when I, when the reason I was a CMO of Terminus is because I co-founded Terminus. I believe in the first, until a company hits at least five, if not 10 million in revenue, you really don't need a CMO. Agreed. Right? You, what you need is a, to you, and, and if you have, if people haven't watched the first part where Daryl actually went through uh, what a director or VP of marketing does, what is the difference between director VP to a CMO? I think that's, that was really profound and really good. So go back and watch this, watch that part of it. But in early days, you need doers. You need tactical marketing yes. stuff. You need somebody to put stuff together and you're at a hyper speed of getting things done. You, you need, and, and you will, as a business owner, if you're spending time going into Google Analytics and figuring out and putting a landing page together and all that stuff, you're actually working in the business, not on the business. And gosh, so many great business founders, I see that they are so much in the business that they never get out of it. And then they burn themselves out and all that stuff. So, so higher, and there's right now, you can go on Fiverr, you can go on Patreon, you can go on all yes. these places, get people to do stuff for you at a very, you go to Belay. I'm using Amy, who's helping me monitor this, uh, this chat right now. Amy is with Belay and she is my virtual assistant. She helps me to, like communicate while I'm doing, I mean, it helps because I don't want anybody internally to be leaving their job and doing this full time. So it is, it is super important. So Ricardo, that was a great question. And I, and I just put a, a tech CMO thing because I'm putting a, a thing. I'm going to take so much from this and put it in there. And I'll share with you, Daryl, for your feedback. Um, one more question. And then I'm going to summarize and, um, and have you share a challenge that people should do and take on today to, to get to this path and become a CMO. What is the best way to pitch a CMO? Oh, okay. The best way to pitch me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That one's, that one's pretty easy. Okay. So here we go. Okay. I don't care about your features and functions. I don't. I got a team will help me with that. If you get past the first meeting, I might be in those meetings. I want to see, you know, okay, how does it work? But if you're pitching me initially, that first, like, should we talk some more to advance the meeting or, or continue the conversation? I don't give a flying fig about your features and functions. If you offer to demo me, I will shut you down. All right. If you say, can I have 10 minutes? You're lying to me because you're going to take 30. All right. If you come out of the gate, if you, if you have just sent me a connection request and your connection request said, hi, Daryl, my company does A, B, C, and D, and E. I probably won't accept it because I don't give a shit. All right. I want to know who you are and what your company, your solution is about. But we'll get to the company solution after I accept your request, your, your connection request, because I want to know who you are and why do you matter to me? So it's a two part answer. But if you get to the point of making the pitch, I want you to say something along the lines of Daryl. Thanks. I am Sangram. Uh, you know, we're Terminus and ABM vendor. Uh, but enough about me. I want you mind if I just spend 30, you know, two minutes asking you a handful of questions. You got two minutes. I'll give, I'll give you two minutes. And by the way, now I'm in control because yeah. I just gave you two minutes. Yeah. Um, and the answer is yes. And you're going to ask me question, 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 which are all business related, functional related, my position related, my industry related. You're not telling me a damn thing about you. And then you're going to say something along the lines of, if I can tell you that I can make uh, symptom A, symptom B go away, I can't do anything for symptoms you know, C or D. 
um, and I can and I can explain that to you in 30 minutes. Mm. What would that be worth to you? Wow. All right. Now we're interested. So in other words, speak to my pain, respect my time. It's a relationship that I'm buying from you. All right. Stop talking about yourself. It's all about me right now. Yeah. Dude, that is on fire. I don't think I can add much to it except this one thing. When every time I get a connection request for some people, uh, I think there is a point now I'm like, either I'm blindly accepting or blindly rejecting. And That's I'm, me. Right? Like, and yeah. it's just like, it's just overwhelming. But one of the things that when I, when I pause, and I think that's a really incredibly powerful thing. If you can make the other person pause and look at what it is, I think you've already kind of overcome the initial bias that we get as soon as a connection request comes in. But typically, I pause when somebody says, hey, Sangram, I just saw you and Daryl talking about the CMO conversation, and it was amazing. I really took these two points away from that one. Thank you for doing that. Man, you just won me over, right? Like, I'm not, am I not going to accept that? Of course. And now, hopefully, right after that, you don't go and say, by the way, I, you know, I have to sell this. Hopefully, you wait a few times, but man, you just earned my respect and my time. Let me give you a quick example because I know we're tight in time and I see, I see he's online here. So I'm going to totally blow some smoke up. It's behind Justin McDonald. All right. He is the CEO of Ramble Ramble Chat, whom Terminus just acquired. When he reached out to, to my CEO and myself. All right. And by the way, look at that. My CEO and myself, he mapped the account. He just didn't go after one person. Brilliant. Number one, land and expand. Um, we were already drift customers. No offense to drift. We were drift customers at that moment in time. And then when we got on the phone with Justin, he didn't ask me a damn thing about, talk about his product other than what he did provide context. He starts yeah. talking to me about the industry and what do we see and what's our vision and how do we see that working with sales engagement? And like, you know, David, my CEO, just kind of went quiet and like Justin and I just like jam, jam. <laughs> and then he started sharing stuff and, and we were bouncing ideas around. We spent half an hour brainstorming about vision and problems and solutions. Yeah. That's what led to me dumping the incumbent existing vendor mm. and moving over to Ramble. All right. So that's how you do it. Shout out to Justin. I can totally see why you guys acquired him. Fantastic product. If you've not seen the product, folks, if you're already a chat solution, I'm a user. We love it. It's amazing. Check it out. That's awesome, man. Here you go, Justin. This is for you, man. This is uh, so for you. All right. So we're going to finish this up with a challenge. Um, I always love my guests to share a practical challenge that people can do something today to, to become uh, who are aspiring to be a CMO in the future. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to be a CMO in the future. Uh, I'm going to give you a handful of things you can do. Today, you can go to your sales team and say, I want to, I want to do a handful. Of, I want to spend an hour on the phone making calls. I want to, I want to, I want to be you for an hour. I want to have conversations. I want to feel the pain. I want to see the user interface. I want to see the script. I want to see the content I've got available to them. And that I want to sit here until I've generated my first MQL. That's, mm -hmm. or my first SQL. That's what I want to do. And your eyes will light up and you're going to go, holy shit, this is what you guys do? That's hard. How come it doesn't do this? How come it doesn't do that? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? And now you will know why you're not getting good ROI on your marketing spend. That's number one. I'm going to give you number two. Number two, go update your LinkedIn profile. Stop 
making excuses. Stop being shy. Stop being self-conscious. Get over yourself. If you're committed to your profession, make that LinkedIn profile work and rock. Best thing I ever did was I spent like eight bucks over some Christmas holidays a couple of years ago, and I bought a book on Amazon. I, CMO, bought a book on Amazon because I thought I knew everything, and I read it in a couple hours, and I learned just 20% more that were such easy tweaks that made my profile go boom. Because what Sam Ridden say, it's a, it's, an, it's a binary. When I get a connection request, do I like you or do I not like you? And uh, what I'm doing is I'm going, okay, who are they? Yeah. What's their profile? When was the last time they posted? What's their experience? Do they matter to me? Yes or no. And, and that's the profile makes a difference. Two things you can do. One for yourself, the profile. One for your craft, which is become a sales rep until you make your first SQL. Dude, on fire, man. This is so cool. So for folks, again, text uh, uh, CMO to 33777 and I will, I will package something up and, and I'm planning to send by next week. Number two, on Monday, 9 a.m. I don't know, Daryl, I'm going to put you on spot. If you're available, uh, let me know. But on Monday, I've started to do pitch me anything because I get all these inbound requests from people who are pitching me. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give everybody a shot. And if you're brave enough at 9 a.m. on live, I, can, I will let you pitch me for like three minutes or so. And you pitch your product, like literally face-to-face right now. And I'll give feedback. Okay, I'm going to take a meeting from you or here's why I'm not taking a meeting from you. And I've been starting to do that from last, like maybe three weeks or something like that. And it has been like, I mean, in a good way, I think people have come back and said, hey, thanks for the feedback. Plus, there are about 4,000 people who watch this stream so you, if nothing else, you'll get a ton of exposure. So Daryl, if you're available, man, imagine you get people get to pitch to do CMOs at the same time. And if it's cool, we would take, take the meeting. If not, we'll give you feedback. I'm there. Let's do it, man. All right, let's do it. All right. Thank you so much, Daryl. I'm just going to give a whole bunch of shout outs to the people listening in and, and jumping in like Ricardo, Jennifer. Thank you, Ray. You have been on total fire. Here, here you go. Amber, as always, she's literally working on optimizing the profile, as you just said. Um, we've got big time Justin um, McDonald for, for, for just working on incredible, incredible. So appreciate the shout out there. I uh, love Aisha talking about like, this is, this is like literally fire um, on across the board. Here you go. Jack talking about that. This is the heart of good selling is questioning. Oh, I love that. And the fact that you said, Daryl, like, go sit for your sales rep and be part of that call. I think what you said to me was develop the empathy for your sales counterpart. The yep. hardest job in the world, I feel, especially in the, in the tech space that we are in, is being that sales rep trying to get his quota at the end of the month. Otherwise, that person doesn't have a job. Like when you put it in that context, I think as a marketer, I feel like, man, we got luxury over here. Like we got a budget that we didn't really earn for. And that guy or gal has to earn their job at the end of the month. So we better develop that empathy. So um, huge, huge shout out to bringing so much fire on it, man. Thank you so much. So follow Daryl on and, and, and jump in there later on if you can uh, on LinkedIn. And he has some incredible stuff happening, everything. Anything else you want to finish off with? No, just. Two th- uh, yes, I lied. Yes, two things. So follow me on LinkedIn right now. No excuses. Twitter as well. Second thing is, if you want sales and marketing to be aligned, it starts with the empathy in the relationship. You sit in their chair, you'll see where they're going to go through and you go, damn, I need to help you be more successful. And in the process of doing that, they will get to know you and what you're doing and what you're capable of. And they'll see you're not a hindrance, but you're a help. Sales and marketing is a bullshit thing. All it is is two camps 
that are puffing their chest out and they're saying, I'm more important than you are. Get rid of that. It's about the, the empathy, it's about the relationship. You're a team. You're both about the revenue. You take the first step, be the bigger person. Let's do it. That's awesome, folks. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Daryl, you're incredible. Thank you so much. See you. See everybody Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern, live pitch. If you're a sales rep, you're a business owner, if you're in marketing and just trying to figure out your positioning statement, just come in here live. We will just go through the conversation and try to give you the best feedback we possibly can just being in those roles. So again, thanks everybody for joining. Daryl, love you, man. This was on. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.